This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon, this is Front Row on The Bigger Picture and I'm Sharmila Ganesan. So last week on the 29th of October, Malaysian literary and artistic icon Saleh Ben Jonid passed away at the age of 79. Uh, Saleh was known for his powerful poetry and essays in both Basa Malaysia and English and he's also often referred to as a maverick, as a non-conformist for his works that challenge taboos about race, religion, sexuality and many others. In many ways, he is also seen as being relatively underrated or unrecognized for his contributions to the local literary scene. So today we are paying tribute to Saleh Benjonit and joining me are poet and writer Bernice Chowley and academic and writer Malachi Edwin Vedamani. Thank you for joining me, both of you. Yes, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. I thought we might start with both of you telling us your own personal relationships or connections with Saleh. How do you know him? I met Saleh as an undergraduate that was way back in 1975 so i was in university of malaya english department student and uh, of course we've all heard of saleh bin jonet so it was quite exciting getting into his class and you know we kind of knew that this is going to be a different class uh, different because we've we'd already seen saleh walking around on the concourse seen his uh, Volkswagen parked at the staff car Was this park. his beret days or no? Oh, <laughs> it was. Possibly. Yeah, 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 yeah. And very much black and, you yeah. know, jeans and T-shirts. That's uh, that's the Saleh uh, we had on campus at that time, uh, you know, walking around. You could smoke those days, so with his ciggy, you know. <laughs> and then, of course, um, he we met him in a class where, you know, we had people like Lloyd Fernando coming in, uh, very formal uh conventional, a great lecturer. And then on the other end, we had Sally who'd walk in slightly late, sit on the lecture table, uh, and then begin his lecture, ask someone to throw him a fag, he'll smoke, and he'll start talking. And you just sit there and listen to him. And, you know, he was great when he's, he was lecturing in English, and then there was one module where we, he was forced to teach us in Malay. Of course, he's proficient he's a bilingual imagine us sitting there listening to a lecture on stondo <laughs> scarlet and black uh, in malay but fortunately you know he he was kind to us and he would intersperse it in english for those of us who were struggling yeah and then you know later of course um, met him in various other so- social and literary events as the years went on of course uh, you know because he was published by Maya, and I was also published. I'm also published by Maya. So we met at various events. Um, meanwhile, you know, I kept in, in touch with him because I then began to teach in UPM, and as a lecturer, we would we used to have uh, a module on Malaysian literature and English. Always made it a point to have Saleh uh, being featured in my class, and my students would actually go and meet him and interview him. We had an exhibition. His extremely gracious. He turns up at our exhibition, whole lot of drama because, you know, Saleh is coming and campus (laughs) comes a bit alive because here is Saleh bin Jonet coming for a tassel event, you know. So, yeah, the students loved him for that. And later, you know, uh, continued uh, reading his work and interact with him. 
So, uh, shall I tell you a funny story that happened? Always, yeah. yes. <laughs> okay. You know, uh, there was a dance drama on called Careers. I, I forget the um, choreographer's name. She she was doing a whole dance drama entitled Careers, and Sally was um, Sally wrote the spirit of the Careers for for that event. And in fact, Patronas paid him for it. So I said, hey, so, so I sent him a postcard saying, Sally, this smacks of literary whoredom. <laughs> and he said, yay, <laughs> of course I'm a whore. <laughs> and then he wrote it in his column. So, you know, he's that kind of fun guy to have around. Um, yeah. And then later seeing him in his last few days. The last time I saw him was in 2017. Um, looking very, you know, aged and it was painful being with him because I couldn't hold, a, he couldn't hold a conversation, but I guess I was lost in the past and he was lost in the past. So we were both sitting there looking at each other, trying to connect. Yeah. Mm. What about you, Bernice? Mm, right. Well, where do I start? Well, I guess I'll start at the beginning. So I came back from university in uh, Canada in 1990 and my aunt was uh, dating Ike Ong, at the time, who eventually became my uncle. So Ike started school books in London and then started school books in Malaysia and then, of course, the publishing imprint. So I met Saleh um, through Ike and uh, it was just a very, you know, spontaneous sort of, um, yeah, it was, you know, then I think school books used to be in Bangsa. And it was also around the same time I met Kias Maniam. Um, but yes, there was a lot of sort of loud conversation, a lot of cigarette smoking, a lot of drinking. Um, and I remember Saleh just, just being very kind and just very, you know, because I was sort of a bit lost, not really sure what I wanted to do. And, but he, he sensed that I wanted to, to sort of, you know, try and express myself in, in, in poetry and in prose. And he was very, very encouraging. I remember once he came to pick me up. I used to live in um, Taman Supute. He came to pick me up and we were going to have tea. And he said, let's go visit Latif Mohidin. <laughs> and, uh, and off we went. And that was the first time I met Latif Mohidin with Saleh. And I just remember sitting down, um, just listening to these two men just talk about art and life and philosophy. And, and you know, Latif was painting. He was still, um, you know, still sort of very um, active. You know, he was painting with oils at the time. I remember just the, the smell of the oil. And then Sally telling me later on that, you know, you know, Latif has to really watch the oils because, of course, it's affecting his lungs and his health and so on and so forth. So it was it was, it was those kinds of conversations where you could sense the sort of camaraderie between these two, you know, great literary minds, but also the simplicity of everyday conversation and and enjoying each other's company and laughing and drinking lots and lots of tea, you know, lots and lots of cigarettes and just the endless conversation. I could have just listen to them, you know, for hours and hours. And I did, I just sort of kept quiet and they would eventually ask, you know, so what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? And I'd be like, well, I don't really know because I've just come back and I'm, you know, such in awe of you guys. Um, but it was, it was that level of, you know, you know, he was such a simple effervescent personality that, that made everyone feel comfortable. You know, there were no, there, there was no airs about Sally. There was just nothing you know, he was, of course, very, very opinionated and that that would sometimes sort of, you know, throw people off like, oh, my God, I can't believe he said that. Or, oh, wow, what did that mean? Or, what, you know, so there was never, uh, you know, a, um, a dull moment with Saleh because you just knew that he was there to entertain you, but to also provoke you. 
And that's the one thing that I really, really appreciate about Saleh, that he just didn't take things lying down. There was always that element of, well, what if? What if you looked at it from this point of view? But what if this happened? You don't have to just, you know, comply with what people think or what society thinks of you. You can challenge it. And I think one of, that's one of the things I learned from Saleh was that really you just have to strike out on your own. You know, why be, why be like everyone else? You know, say what you need to say, write what you need to write. And, and I think I learned a lot from, from him saying that because it just sort of stayed in my mind, you know, for years and years and years after that. And, of course, you know, he was the perfect example. He was exemplary in that, in that instance. Mm. So, um, yes, it, I have some very, very fond moments um, with, with Saleh. Yes. Now, for all that, he's done such a variety of things. You know, Edwin, as you pointed out, he lectured in UM. Um, he's written articles in newspapers. He writes essays. He's published poetry. But he's often said that poetry is his where his soul lies, that it's his main form of expression. For those who may not be familiar with his work, what kind of poet was he? How would, how would you describe his works? I would describe him as a very... Uh, socially oriented, politically, uh, you know, his works always had an impact. He he had a he had a message, but he was not didactic or pedantic. He was satirical. He, um, you know, when you read his work, you you know he's touching on serious issues. Yet there is uh, humor in what he writes. Uh, you know he's laughing at and laughing with, and he's what he's also laughing at himself. Uh, so I think so. When you read Salib and Jonet, you are reading Malaysia, Malaysians, and you know the things that that really matter to us. And and I think um, that's and he was very contemporary and current. So you know later when I read something, you you know that he is referring to Malaysian society as it is. He was interrogating it. He was, you know, he, he was actually, in a way, uh, modern day, uh, I wouldn't call him a prophet because he probably would think that, uh, you know, me a prophet. Well, you know, he certainly had a message for us. And uh, as profane as he can be, he was also very sacred in many ways. Yeah, I think he was a fabulous uh, poet in that sense. Well, I mean, you know, with Saleh, it's, the, every, everything has to, there has to be an understanding of, of form and, of course, of the rule, the rules that, that, that pertain to the writing of poetry. And it's inherent in his work, you know, it's, it looks like free verse, but of course, there's a really fine understanding of form and structure and lines and turning of the line and using imagery and that sort of thing. So I think he's very much a contemporary poet. He works with contemporary verse. He works with free verse. He's a poet of his time, um, you know, harking back to to what it means to be Malay, what it means to be Malaysian, what it means to be a poet in this in this day and time. So questioning things, as Edwin said, interrogating things as well. But I think also being brutally honest. And that's the one thing about Saleh that I will never forget. You know, he was just like, if you need to say something, say it. Say yeah. it whatever way you, you feel needs to be said. But of course, it's it's not just you know, pedestrian, it has to be elevated to art. Use the right words, use the right language. Um, you know, understand what it is you're doing with with complete awareness and with complete consciousness of what it is you're doing. So it, nothing is random. 
nothing is, uh, you know, throw away. Everything is there for a reason. But so combined with that sense of brutal honesty, um, the brute interrogation of the self, the interrogation of society, what is around you, and then translating that onto the page in, a, in the poetic form was something that, that he really excelled at. Mm. Now, he is often described as the quote-unquote bad boy of Malaysian literature. Um, why do you think he's earned this title? <laughs> well, I think, you know, I mean, yeah, I think Saleh is just, you know, he's he's larger than life. You know, he just, he commands that, atten- that kind of attention. You walk in, into a room and your head will turn because Saleh is there. He's yeah. in the room. He just energizes you with his effervescence and his 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 brilliance. Um, I don't know. I, I I don't think he sort of actively sought out attention. I just think he had an ego and he needed to use it. He he, uh, he yeah. wielded his ego, you know, in in the best way he knew how. Well, you know, <laughs> when you you can't miss Sully wherever he is. His <laughs> his presence is so strong, and he's also very provocative in what he yes. says, what he writes. I think, in that sense. When he said something, people listened. Whether they agreed with him, that was not the point. Mm -hmm. But he wanted his point to be heard. And whether whether it was his ego or whether it was his sense of self, his identity, but I felt that, you know, as a writer, you knew where he was coming from. And, you know, he he, he had a sense of purpose. And I think he really wanted us to be a nation, be Malaysians and go beyond Malay and Chinese and Indian. And his work, I think, reflected a a new Malaysia, a new national sense of nation, which, well, we still haven't seen till today, but at least there's someone who said, hey, you know, I'm hitting you on this. And I, I think that was important. We do need to go for a quick break soon. But before we finish on this side of things, um, if I had to ask each of you to pick one one work of his that you think is uh, the one that you would recommend to somebody, which would it be? Uh, well, I would certainly recommend Haram Skaram because that certainly brings out the Sally, uh, the controversial, provocative Sally Binjone. Um, I will I will recommend you know the collection poems sacred and profane because this is the first book that I read of his and I still keep coming back to this because I just think there's so many gems in this in this collection and quite surprisingly the first collection he published and he was 40 by the time that came out right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so we do need to take a quick break but before you do um, I've asked each of you to prepare readings for us I know so uh, Edwin you're going to see us through um, before we go on break for this one. Right, thank you. Uh, what I'll do is maybe I'll read a short extract from his collection, Nothing is Sacred. Uh, you know, he was a fantastic uh, journalist. And I'm going to read uh, the first piece from this collection. And I think I, I felt that it will be, it'll give a sense of Sully. Yeah? Uh, it's entitled Confessions of a literary columnist. This is from 25th September, 1991. Hi, folks. It's quite a nice to be back after such a long break. Six weeks. Believe me, man, I really needed it. My literary batteries badly needed recharging. Six weeks of heavenly fun, of indolence, sheer and dear. Five of those weeks were spent on a remote 
tourist-free island of, of Sulawesi, where my private ancestors come from. On that Sulawesi island, I just lazed around, rediscovering the lost art of indolence, pure Malay style, without guilt or sense of sin, and totally free of any taint of things literary, no books, no word processes, not even paper or pencil, fortunately free of arty-farty and big sastra ones. And most certainly no anxious editors breathing deadlines down my ultra-sensitive neck. <laughs> I think that really tells you the kind of sally that we had as a columnist. Um, I'm going to read an extract from a very personal poem from Saleh uh, entitled Ria, and I'm going to read um, section five from this uh, very sad poem, which really makes me think about uh, how he, the pain that he must have felt uh, in the loss of the child. The night of your burial was my sinless night of the soul. The gaiety that was yours danced the darkness on every tongue. All the dreams we had in you burst to awake in a sudden song, an unveiled blasphemy affirming the will. But the morning after was a different matter, and the morning after, and the morning after. Each break of day, my love, is a is a break of day. My body outward the slant of light, across the emptiness hollowing my bed, seeing an endless row of other beds, dreading all the mornings when I shall darkly awake to the harsh fullness of sheer light that knows no season, dreading the hangover of my days on the, on the island of Sirs. I, my own Penelope, weaving and unweaving an endless moment, resisting the light of the hard sun that forged my existence, betraying my blood's vow to the living now. Thank you, Edwin. Today, we are paying tribute to Malaysian icon Saleh Benjonit, who passed away last week. And uh, with me to talk about his works and his life are Bernice Chorley and Malachi Edwin Vedamani. We'll be back after a short break. You're listening to Front Row on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. This is Front Row on The Bigger Picture and I'm Sharmila Ganesan. With me today are poet and writer Bernice Cholly and academic and writer Malachi, Malachi Edwin Vedamani. And together we are paying tribute to Malaysian icon Saleh Benjonid, who passed away last week at the age of 79. Um, so before the break, uh, you know, both of you mentioned a couple of times this idea of um, Malaysian-ness when it comes to his work. Um, and I thought that... Um, it's it would be sort of pertinent to talk about that this his relationship to this sense of Malaysian identity. What does his work say about that? In in you know what does his work say about this idea of being Malaysian? Um, I think he addresses it in a lot of his in a lot of his writing. You know, as a journalist, as a as a essayist um, in his in his poems, the fact that he's multilingual is already quite apparent. The fact that you know he can write very as as eloquently in Malay as he can in English. But I think it's also the issues that he talks about. You know, he talks about 
um, the universality of, of what it means to be Malaysian and looking at the notion of identity, looking at the notion of nationhood, um, what, what is art, what is poetry, questioning everything, the, the creative impulse, the, uh, you know, the love for family, the love for, for woman, the love for his child, the love for words, um, and, the, and his fellow, his fellow um, uh, contemporaries, you know, he had, a, he had great respect for people like Latif Mohidin, for people like Lat, um, for, the, for the people that he taught with, uh, people, you know, fellow writers. There was, a, there was a largesse about him that was very generous. And I think the fact that he did not, you know, he, he spoke well of people. He was critical, of course, but he was all embracing in the fact that we're all here, you know, all Malaysian artists trying to create. We're all trying to make work. And, you know, we're just trying to do that in whatever way we can, you know. I think one of the one of the things that stands out for me when we talk about Malaysianness um, is his that he did take issue with this idea of what is national culture, for instance. For him, national culture was not necessarily Malay or to be drawn from Malay. I think for him, he was more embracing uh, of the multi-ethnic, multi-racial, multi-linguistic nation that we are. And uh, he questioned that. And the fact that he straddled both Malay literature and English writing, he could be, he, you know, he could have taken the route that others have, have been known to take. Uh, you know, being Malay, he could have decide, okay, I'm going to write in Malay. I want to be a Sastrawan. That's not Saleh. Saleh saw beyond that. And, and I think uh, the fact that he is read and researched on, uh, not just uh, in Malaysia, and, but, you know, he's seen as a Malaysian writer, not necessarily just Malay. Uh, the work, I mean, what he writes about dwells on Although essentially he questions some of those Malayness, uh, he also, I think, addresses what it means to be part of this multiracial community. And I, I think we relate to Saleh because we knew that he was talking about Malaysia. He was not just talking for one single voice or one single sector. His works, his writings in particular, they do span um, decades, you know, a good 50 years or so. Uh, how would you say his um, his writings have changed and evolved? His critique of this idea of Malaysia have changed and evolved over time? You know, um, as much as people want to take Saleh uh, very seriously, and all, I think he had lots of fun in his writing. Mm. Uh, and he had a range of topics that he wrote on. And those that, that were serious and need to be dealt with, he did. He also had poems like Hymn to My Sarong, <laughs> The Hymn to the Durian. You know, so although he may be writing about uh, Hymn to a Sarong or a Durian, yet in that writing, you could see how the issue of, you know, issue of nation, individual, these things were all there. And like Bernice said, it's not just suddenly random. It is very, very well stylistically and, you know, very uh, much in, in terms of its literary quality. I think that's what made it appealing. He he made it rise, uh, you know, he, in, I know people talk about Saleh being, uh, addressing the profane, but yet in that pro that which is profane is dealt in 
such beauty and eloquence and, and elegance that you 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 enjoy that in his work here mm. bernice do you do you see a sort of um evolution in the way he wrote uh i think i think the issues and the themes that that um that he was obsessed with were things that, themes that that were already there you know i think his time in australia was very very meaningful to him uh i think he explored the landscape the terrain of of australia and then you know that sort of interest in in narration of the land was also transferred to his work uh here but he was very much um he was very contemporary you know he used the form to a great lot you know it was it was expansive you know what i mean he used that a very simple idea to expand upon um a, you know a poem that would sometimes even reflect in in two or three subsequent poems after that but just going back to what was um articulated earlier i think he was very much a contemporary um of the time but also looking at what the nation meant as a contemporary nation you know he wrote very actively i mean i met him in the 90s and even in the decades after that so the 90s and the in the 2000s he was very much a man who still lived by his own terms he he wanted to be recognized that you know i am what i am and if you have a problem with that that's your problem because really you know i don't know what kind of kind of lens you're you're reading my work or you're reading me but he really just didn't you know he didn't care what people thought about him and i think also in the work um it was very much that sense of indiv- individuality but also you know just being able to have the freedom he gave himself the freedom to write whatever he wanted and i think that's really important you know i i you know it's it's so valuable when when somebody you respect says that to you or shows you by by example that you know you can be the kind of writer you want to be you just have to do it Mm. Now um you know on that note of um not wanting to not wanting to fit the the mold of what it means to be uh, a, a writer or, or even to give yourself one's freedom now the flip side of that is something that actually came up quite often in the last few days when we read his obituaries or posts about him which is the fact that he didn't get the recognition that he deserved or that he hasn't been honored in the way that he should be as a Malaysian literary icon um do you have thoughts on this yeah well you know i mean <laughs> this is a difficult one because you know the the sastrawan nagara award is is very specific you know it 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 honors a writer who works in a particular kind of genre yeah. who looks at themes that are you know sort of somewhat nationalistic that deal with the concept of what it what is a national literature um what does it mean to be malay what is it mean to be writing in malay and you know saleh of course did you know he wanted to to subvert and question all those themes so he really would not fit in the criteria <laughs> <laughs> at all and i don't think he was concerned with it you know it was mm-hmm. it wasn't after awards or anything like that you know the recognition if it came it came if it didn't it didn't yeah you know just as banish mentioned uh i guess in malaysia if you want to be recognized it's it's very clear it's state is is there you have to write in malay and and also be embraced by the malay literati and if you're not you know it's not going to happen um he's not the first casualty of this you know omar mohammad no who wrote before saleh and who's also well respected um yet um you know he too was completely ignored and and i think in that sense um i don't think it really bothered saleh that he was 
wasn't given that kind of recognition or, or you know national laureate mm. i because you know he he was already recognized as a great writer and giving him that title well you know that 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 kind of acknowledgement and recognition certainly is good but i don't think that was a disappointment maybe after a while he kind of expected it and he knew uh the the terrain that he was in uh even the southeast asian award is for someone who writes in malay so if you if you are seen actually, actually he's recognized more as an english language writer by many uh than as a a malay writer and i think that worked against sali and uh, it's a shame uh, we it yeah it is certainly a shame no it's a real shame because the sea writer award you know if you look at singapore if you look at thailand it it, it doesn't it's not restricted to language it's, yeah they it, rotate it really yeah. shouldn't you know mm-hmm. and this is something that we have questioned again and again with with the sea writer award with the sasrawanagara award like why are these parameters so narrow how are writers supposed to expand and be the kind of writers that they should be with these parameters and these kinds of of, of boundaries you know which country says to you you can't be this kind of writer you have to write in this language and as a result you know great writers like kes maniam as well who've also been overlooked by this award sale you know we just have to change our mindsets and you have to embrace what it means to be an artist and to be a writer in this country otherwise it's you know it's 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 going to disappoint a lot of people it's going to disappoint the young writers of this of of of, of today and, and tomorrow because you know you look at who are the ones who are getting the accolades yes you either have to be recognized abroad or if you're here you have to write in a certain kind of ilk or a certain kind of form um you know it's just there're just too many boundaries and too many things as to what you can and cannot do to become a recognized writer in malaysia it's it's a it's a real shame and i really hope that things will change someday Mm. And unfortunately, it strikes me because if I think about when I became introduced to Salim Ben Jonid's works, um, it wasn't, let's say, in school or through some kind of formal education system. Um, it was later, you know, once I graduated. It was just through my own efforts or people in the industry, and then you start hearing names that people say are inspirations, and you so start looking them up. So one of the unfortunate side effects of someone not being honoured in these quote unquote um, formal structures is that. a lot of a whole generation of young people are then not exposed to works by people like him because they don't fit into an education system for instance absolutely absolutely so on that note um what i did want to ask you is what you think the works of sale ben jonet have to offer for the next generation of malaysians i i think he is certainly an important person in the malaysian literature and english canon um and i do quite a lot of work in that area and um to recognize his work I, you know we, the collection of poems that i put together carries his poem as the title of the book malchin testament and i think that anyone who picks up that text will know that the kind of recognition that we give to him as a important writer in Malaysian writing not just in in poetry you know he has a, he has a play of course he is recognized for his essays uh, very thought provoking essays his literary columns so i would i would think that he 
he would re, he will be a, a role model. I think the young, especially the young adult and you know the rebellious writers will look at him. Hey, he was a rebel. You know, we, we he was a rebel with a cause. And I think that's a cause that they also and we need to take uh, continue to, to give a space, a recognized space, and not be invisible. Bernice, um, I think Saleh was very much, uh, you know, a man of his time, a contemporary writer, someone who was very rooted in in Southeast Asia, in Nusantara, in understanding what it means to be Malaysian, what it means to be sort of marginalized, what it means to be you know, on, on both sides of the fence, you know, as an academic in a, in a valued, um, noted institution, but also to be on the outside of it. So I think he was very much, a, you know, a, a flaneur, a flaneur, if you use, if you can use that word, someone who was a wanderer, a thinker, a mad genius, you know, someone who spoke his mind, someone who was, was generous with his time. But ultimately, I think he was very much a contemporary voice in, in this kind of wilderness that, that we call Malaysia. Thank you so much, Bernice. Thank you, Edwin. Thank you. Cheers. Now, we are going to be closing off this show with a reading uh, by Bernice of a work by Saleh Benjonet. Bernice? Dari mana datangnya cinta? Kaki terendam dalam lumpur dingin, tangan terbuka menanti hantaran. Di antara langit yang menghilaukan dan sawah air penuh lintah, seikat benih berbaju tulang, melayang, Menyiat cahaya matahari pagi katulistiwa. Jeling mendunga nasib bersua, angan dara berlumpur di dada. Dari mana datangnya cinta? Tulang belakang menolak batas, punggung gempal menghempap tad padi. Kerbau di kubang merenung tenang saat koyaknya kain. Di detik matahari rembang, peritnya hidup. Hangatnya hawa, berahi menggelegak dalam cahaya. Nasib bersua tubuh menerima dalam lumpur berdarah dara. Dari mana datangnya cinta? So I've been speaking with poet and writer Bernice Charlie and academic and writer Malachi Edwin Vedamani and we've been paying tribute in our own small way to a Malaysian literary giant Saleh Benjonit who passed away last week on the 29th of October at the age of 79. You've been listening to Front Row on the Bigger Picture BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.